all of our 60 year, 65 years of marriage, I've never seen him at a loss for words. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. She has the word. Praise <laughs> the Lord. I guess this is my introduction as well. Praise the Lord. It is so good to be here in the house of the Lord with you today. And um, I am basically a visual person uh, rather than a speaking person. But sometimes I do have a word. And today they've asked me to have a word. So such as it is, I'm going to present it to you. Uh, in our lives there are normally three questions that we sometimes ask ourselves maybe more than once you have asked yourself one of these questions and so i'm going to try to give you a little biblical explanation as an answer to these three questions and the first one is and i think my husband almost forgot it today who am i who am i anyway <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> but after all, uh, how do I identify myself? Many times we are asked for identifications. We are asked to identify ourselves. And I know if you go to the airport, I know if you go to the airport, they ask you for an ID and they want you to have your picture on it. And they'll look at that picture, then they'll look up at you. And I've been through places when they would say, pull down your mask, you know, let me see, let me check this out, is that really you? So we have some way of identifying ourselves normally with a little card. And you have to show that at many places. Sometimes even after you check in your luggage and you go through the line, they have these scanners and you have to walk through them to be sure that you have no metal on your body any place that can be detected. So they scan your full body. But when they are, before they scan you, they want to see that card again. And they want to look at you and they look down at the card. Is this really you? Is that, is that your picture? So that's one way of identifying ourselves. And if you go to the doctor's office, I've gone to the doctor here since I've been in Newark and they want to see if anything has changed. Do you have a picture of yourself? Can I see your card? Can I see your ID? And uh, if I've been to get this vaccine now that's uh, we are supposed to have for COVID, twice I've had the shot, both times they wanted to see my card. They wanted to see if I am really Joanne Showstrand. So my picture helps identify myself. They don't want to be liable for any type of an error that maybe they would be uh, caught with. But the world bases our ID a lot of times on our work or the work that we do. They don't want um, necessarily our background. They want to see what our talents are. They want uh, to see what our act, extra act, curricular activities are. What did you do? What, how? We can introduce ourselves by saying our name and our occupation and depending on who we are with, 
sometimes we kind of adapt to what they are. Uh, you meet somebody and they say, I'm a baker. Oh, I love to bake too. I make pies. My husband makes pies. We are bakers together in our kitchen. And then maybe you see somebody and they say, I'm a farmer. Oh, you work so hard. I know what farmers do. They work hard. They work from sunup to sundown. And they go to bed normally very, very tired. And guess what? They get up and do it the next day the same way, working hard again, sometimes getting good rest, sometimes not. But that's a hard job. But none of those things that I've said actually define who we are. Not one of our jobs, not our culture, not even our relationships tell who exactly we are. But in Genesis 1 and 27, it says we are created in the image of God. Jesus called us to be more than we can even imagine. You know that? Jesus has called you to be more than you can even think that you are. In Psalms 139 and 14, it says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The Hebrew translation of fearfully means reverence. It means heartfelt interest. It means respect in awe. Turn to your neighbor and say, did you know you're awesome? There you go. You are created in the image of God. You are an awesome individual. Wonderfully made translates from the Hebrew as unique and you're set apart. So not only are you awesome, you are unique and you are set apart for a reason, for a reason. You are wonderfully made and you're set apart for a reason. Some of us maybe need to take inventory. Why are we set apart? Why is our life so amazing and unique? There's a song that I, the group behind me sings sometime. I think it says, I am who I am because I know the great I am. I am. I am born again. I'm a Jesus name, baptized, Holy Ghost filled child of God. I belong to the King of Kings, the great I am, the everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. That's who I am. That's who you are. If you've had their experience, then you are special. You are very special. And the next question I would like for you to ponder in your heart and mind is, why am I here after all? You know, I came to visit in 19, 2019 for Thanksgiving and stay over to Christmas. And I haven't gone back to Arkansas yet. Why am I here? On the sixth day of creation, God did something very uniquely different. Something he had never done before. Whenever he created the world and everything in it, he always spoke it into existence. He said, let there be light, there was light. 
Let's separate the darkness and the light and let's make the world have day and night. He did that only by his word, only by his word. He said, let the water and the dry land appear. Guess what happened? It appeared by his word, the solar system, the sun, moon, and stars. And then there were birds and animals, every animal you could ever think of. He created simply by speaking the word, by speaking the word. And every time he created something, the scripture tells us that God saw it and he said, it's good. It is good. But on the sixth day, different. He reached down into the clay. I think he was a very good sculptor. And he formed a man. And when he got it just right, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. You were created by the hands of God. He didn't speak you into existence. He used his hand to form you. You are his vessel. You are his piece of sculpture. And I have seen a lot of sculpture in the world. I have visited many countries. I have seen Michelangelo's sculpture. I have seen uh, Donatello's sculpture. I have seen even Picasso. Most of you know some of his work. I have seen his work. I have seen the work of Leonardo da Vinci. But you know what? None of those could move around. They had no life whatsoever. They didn't have life in them. We would say that they looked lifelike, but they had no life. But today, I'm viewing a gallery of God's creation, of his men and women that he formed, that he breathed into you the breath of life. And you are, the scripture says, when he did that, man became a living soul. You are a living soul. You have something to give to God. You have something to return to him. Everybody say, I'm a living soul. I'm a living soul. Yes. Ephesians says, we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus born anew. This is the amplified version. That we may do those good works God predestined, he planned beforehand for us, taking paths that he prepared ahead of time. He has prepared your path. Are you walking in it? That we should walk in them, living the good life which he has prearranged. If your life is not as good as you'd like for it to be, he has prearranged you a good life. Let's get in it. And made ready for us to live. That is the word of God in Ephesians 2 and 10. I read the Amplified. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says, Before I was formed in the womb, I knew and approved of you. As my chosen instrument, you are a chosen instrument. Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, he approved of you. Before I was born, I separated and set you apart. 
consecrating you, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So you could say, why am I here? You read those two scriptures and let them get in your heart. I am here for his service. Everybody say, I am here for his service. I am here for his service. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I've seen on the, on the uh, film behind us on the screen sometime, I've seen where we need nursery helpers. We need some volunteers, nursery helpers, to help. They're trying to get the nursery going again. I've seen where we need <clears throat> people who can work in the yard to cut the grass. And you know what? If we had enough uh, people that would volunteer and have four crews, you'd only have to do it once a month. Everybody say, I can do that. I can do that. Oh, very good. So why am I here? I am here for his service. <clears throat> I am here to serve. You know what? It takes all of our limbs to serve. More than it takes your mouth, it takes our limbs. It takes two arms, two hands, two legs, two feet. Psalms 102 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Be happy that you can fulfill the purpose of God on your life. I know you want to hear him say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Now, the third question that we sometimes ask ourselves, where am I going? I don't know if I still have this answered as far as the earth is concerned. Where am I going? We don't really know what holds tomorrow, what is going to come our way, but we do know who holds tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but we know who's in charge of it. So we can know that we can go, <clears throat> everyone, to a final destination. We are here because of God. The purpose of our being is to serve him. And everybody sitting here today does have a final destination. And when we fulfill his purpose for our lives, we'll join with him in heaven. Heaven is the destination for all of those that have been born again of the water and of the spirit. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name and you've been filled with his spirit, you've lived and served him, we're going to meet him one of these days. And you know what the scripture says? You're going to rest from all your labor. Now, every day that you're here on earth, you have to labor. You have to work. And you get tired. But you know what's going to be in heaven? All activity. All activity around the throne. We're going to reign as kings. One of these days, not very far in the future, without the effects of all of sin around us, we plan to fulfill the full purpose that God has for us. And that is to live with him in heaven. There'll be no tears, no sorrow, only peace and joy forever. Think about the jobs that you have every day. Sometimes you can hardly wait for the weekend. You want to say, man, I want to rest all day Saturday. Or I want to do something with my family. I want a special activity. But whenever <clears throat> work wipes you out physically and mentally, 
That doesn't happen with King Jesus. He said, you're going to rest from your labors. I'm happy that God filled me 78 years ago as a child with his spirit. A purpose in my heart then that I would never turn away. Have I seen times when I could? Of course. Have I been tempted? Have people tried to make me change my mind? Of course. But if you purpose in your heart, the Lord will help you to keep that purpose going. He will give you and sustain you that you can keep going. And I'm thankful for that. I purposed in my heart and I've been a lot of places and I've seen the beauty of God's creation, but nothing to exchange me from my experience of living a consecrated godly life. You know who you are and you know why you're here and you know where you're going. And if you've decided to follow Jesus, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. Everybody say, it's going to be worth it all. Yes, it is. Heaven is going to be a forever holiday. We like holidays, don't we? Praise the Lord. I get to introduce my lovely wife, Sheena, Reverend Dr. Sheena Shoshran Post. And uh, I think that's important because she, she does hold uh, two titles. And I am glad that that first title shows her devotion to the Lord and that that's a priority for her, as well as a devotion to her work. And she also uh, holds a less formal title, but very important, of mama. And she's a great mama. And to our beautiful girls, Siobhan and Tegan, and we love her very much. Thank you. Um, I always find that Mother's Day is particularly special because it's a reminder of the role that a mom has. And since I became a mom nine years ago, it has become much more poignant each year. Instead of just acknowledging my own mother and the mothers in my life, I now am part of that equation. And I think for me, looking at the role of a mother, it's, it's very much um, what Pastor was, was preaching about, women, women touching women, women reaching to women, women teaching women. And for me, I can say in my own life, and I think that as you grow in the Lord, you realize this, it's not just, it's not just a part of, of being a mom, but I think what's incredible um, that we remember is what, what that really means. And in my life, I have ahead of me, my mother and my grandmother and my grandmothers who have taught me, who have been investing in my life from the time that I was young.
But now I'm in, a, I'm in a unique spot because I have people younger than me in different roles who are also teaching me. And when you, when you find yourself in this, in this place where you are learning both from those who are ahead of you and also from those who you can say are, are behind you, you feel like you are constantly being invested into. And then where is that investment going to go? And, and for me, that's, that's where I reflect because what I, what I find myself as is a garden. And I think that's what I, what I think is most beautiful about women, is they're like a garden. And we receive what is planted into our soil. And depending on who we are allowing to tend our garden, we can produce beautiful things. Fruits of the spirit, joy, peace, patience. And I can say, being a mom requires a lot of that fruit. But I find that even my children teach me lessons and I, and I let them plant into my garden because the lessons that they teach me sometimes bear the most beautiful flowers that I can see. I, I sometimes realize I come home and, and maybe I'm just a little bit impatient and, and I just, for just a moment, I see a face and I go, oh, I was too hard. I was too, I was not patient enough. And it's beautiful because even when we feel sometimes that we need to trim back the little thorns on our rose bushes, it's still a rose bush. It's still something beautiful. And I think that's what's beautiful about being a, a, a woman, being a mom, is the investment that you get to receive and then that you get to give into others. And I can tell you there's no greater joy. And I think this is, this is what it is. It really is fulfilling when you talk about Mother's Day is when I can present something beautiful to my family. And it doesn't mean necessarily a meal. Sometimes it's just a, a kind word. And I think what the Bible says about, about a wise woman, how she builds her house. She builds it. And I, and I, I can tell you I would not have any tools to build a house if it hadn't been the laborers in my garden who had put things there for me in order that I can build. And so I thank all of you today because you are part of my investment. Everything that you say and do in your prayers, I, I receive that into my garden and I hope that if, if there's any takeaway for me is that that's not just supposed to be something that moms do. We all get to be part of, of God's garden and having him invest into us and having each other. That's why the body is so important. There is not one person. And you can say, well, I don't know that my story is the same as yours. That's what makes the gardens beautiful. The most gorgeous gardens that you can visit are not the same. They have all kinds of plant life. They have all kinds of beautiful things in them. And so if you have just a garden that only has roses, it's not quite as beautiful and stunning as the ones that have an assortment, something that's, that's glorious. Even, even if you have a rose garden, if the roses are different, 
It's it's more beautiful than just having everything look the same. And so what what I find today and what what I would say is most meaningful to me is you. You as the investors in my garden and I hope I being an investor in your garden and I give honor today to those in my life particularly from the eldest among us who have invested and not just women but my grandmother my grandfather I've learned lessons from you over the years that I treasure and I thank you for investing into me and my mother I thank you for investing into my garden and my sister because although you're younger than me you have so many rich lessons that you have invested into me and of course my father and my pastor I thank you and for my extended family the posts and the galonies and all of you you have made my life rich and I hope that we can all continue to add into each other and that this Mother's Day is a reminder of the garden that you are and the garden that we are together. I do appreciate all of our ladies, all of our <coughs> individuals, and um, could say a lot about <coughs> Sheena as well. She has uh, served on several committees and even boards nationally and um, for the United Pentecostal Church as well as in the state and appreciate her leadership. And Caitlin, who is not a biological mother but has been a mother to Hyphen and watched a lot of her uh, students grow up. And she is the director of, of the Hyphen uh, group in the state of Ohio and has spoken <clears throat> and has spoken uh, several times in person and via Zoom in various uh, venues and uh, has been a, a joy to watch as the Lord has used her and changed her from the <clears throat> young lady who was um, very shy, and I used to accuse of one day being Buddhist because she didn't want anybody to pray for her or touch her to the lady that she is now. Caitlin, come. Lord bless you. Well, praise the Lord. That is true. He did used to call me his Buddhist child. I think he thought it would inspire me to pray more in the altar, and it didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> if anything, I was just like, well, then fine, I will. <laughs> but no, I knew, I knew I would not be Buddhist. <laughs> um, but it is so good to be here with you. And I am not a biological mother, but I feel like, um, you know, as was said so well before me, in terms of who are you and what are you here for and what is our purpose and and then to say the investment that we receive not just women but men also receive investments as well as being part of the garden but from people of different stages and different places and 
whether they're younger or older or anything in between, I feel so richly blessed because I have had people from all over, here, there, I feel like everywhere, who have touched my life and contributed to the garden of where I am. And as I, I mentioned, I am not married, I'm, I am not a mother, and yet what is so wonderful about the Lord is that he has not limited our impact to the kingdom based on any of those defining characteristics. Not once has he said, you have to meet this and that criteria, and it's a big list of whatever, in order to mentor or be mentored by or to invest in. He said, if you're willing, I will use you. And I am so thankful that that was the model that I grew up with my entire life. I did not have anybody say, well, you have to have this type of job, or you have to be this young, or this old, or have this experience, or that. It was, if you're willing, you can be used. And in fact, I, I am so moved by that. And it wasn't just my parents' teaching, it was the Lord's as well. Because in Isaiah chapter 54, in a time where if you were a single woman, you were basically in trouble. You were destitute. There was no place of provision for you. There was no source. There was a lot of shame to it. All of those things. And the Lord said, I want you to make your house big. He said, enlarge your tents. Open up your heart. Open up your resources. Why? Because your spiritual children, those that you invest in, are going to be so many, you're not going to just be able to contain it. And so I am so blessed that I have the opportunity to then turn around and give back some of the investment that I have been able to receive. And the thing that I have found about the Lord again and again, and it, it moves me, because no matter what my circumstance is here, you go to Isaiah chapter 54 verse 10. For though the mountains should depart and the hills be shaken or removed, yet my love and kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace and completedness be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. My version was the amplified version. But no matter where I am, no matter what my state is, I'm complete. Not because of what I bring to the table, but because of my main gardener who's invested in me, who has poured in me through the people who love me and through the people that I love. And so let me encourage you in whatever state you're in, don't just hear the word, act on it. Invest in those around you. Pour into the body. Pour into your relationship with God. Because that's an investment that always has overflowing returns. You can't outgive God. And he instead clothes us in radiance. Read Isaiah 54, the whole chapter. He bedecks us in beautiful things. Makes us shiny and, and glorious to behold. And so turn around and invest because his love 
is never removed. It's never departed from us. And our completion is in him. Thank you to all of the mothers who have children biologically and who have spiritual children. Your investment has not gone unnoticed. And it has not fallen short. It has fulfilled everything that it needs to fulfill. So true. I see Sister Gayla Hurst here, and she has invested in our family. And, and me personally, one time I got stuck in Atlanta, and I got to eat uh, a wonderful meal, be at her home. And uh, I've seen Caitlin. We will get graduation cards from students in Crooksville that she has worked with and tested that consider her part of her, their family. And that's amazing to see that testimony. Of course, um, could spend a long time talking about the love of my life for the last few years, 43, uh, soon to be 44. And uh, awesome lady of God, awesome mother, uh, wonderful grandmother, and awesome daughter-in-law. We had visitors move visit us in 19 and they haven't gone home <laughs> and we're so glad they've been a blessing to us uh, they've been a blessing uh, to us and uh, my wife has been a wonderful uh, daughter-in-law and mother lord bless her let's give <laughs> sister Shostan a hand My favorite preacher. Well, this is very special, first of all, because we are back from a pandemic. Last year, Mother's Day was an empty house. And so even though the rain has uh, prevented many people from being here that probably would have been, to see some of you that haven't been here for a while with your mother or your mother-in-law is very moving and very special. And we welcome you to the house of the Lord. His house, we're ambassadors, we're the doorkeepers. And we hope that you've been blessed and felt encouraged and uplifted. As long as you live, no matter how old you are, you're gonna need a place to call home. It won't be a building, it will be a place where you feel safe and nurtured where you feel loved and respected, cherished and cared for. Unfortunately, our world does not provide a place like that, but you'll find it here in the presence of the Lord. And although, and I, I can't say enough about what it means to me to have my mother in love with whom I've walked for the last 43 years. Now they've been married 65, but I've been here for 43 of it. And when we moved here in 2004, I went back to celebrate their 50th anniversary. And my mother and my mother-in-law were both married in the same month and the same year and never knew each other. And so I flew back to Arkansas and we had two golden anniversaries. One was from 11 to noon and the other one was two, from two to four in the same building on different sides. So I just ran from one party to the next. I can't tell you how many memories I have 
I am a book of memories of the times I shared as a young woman from 19 to 26 when I grew up when I had Sheena and became her mother and had to learn everything and how my mind went back when she was saying my children have taught me and then to see Caitlin who had an illness that completely reshaped our family totally changed how we viewed life and days and we just had to get through and so the family, the extended family, the papas and the grandmas and the uncles and aunts kind of surrounded the wagons and when one blow would come after another we'd gather together. Now I know that not everybody can do that because some of you have families that don't believe but you have a family here that believes and we don't use biology as the reason to be blessed or to be together. What unites us is one word, and I want to sing it rather than say it. And I've so you need to know that. So you need to understand that. <laughs> Hadn't been easy. Relationships never are. If you want to mentor somebody, you can't go at it like it's a job. People know when you genuinely love them and when you're just using them as a means to an end. That's not the way the family of God works. We don't use people in church to build our profile, our portfolio, our resume. We're here not because we decided that you could offer me something that would make me awesome. We came together because the Lord loved us and then put us together in a family and that's how we roll, as a family. Yeah. We've got problems. We have children in the family that get irritated, and some come to us like burn victims. They've been through some horrible things in their past, and maybe their parents didn't treat them with the same kind of cherishing. So i got to get to the word. There is one word that is required for relationships that you can only get in one place, only one, and it's called mercy. Job is my story. I'm going to be very quick. Job lost all ten of his children. It would have been enough to lose one. I'm telling you that would have knocked me down. But all of them, and if you only had one, it'd be equal to ten because it's all. And he lost it all. He lost the source of his wealth. One thing after another this man lost. He lost his reputation and his image. People made fun of him. And if that wasn't enough, he became seriously disfigured. So there was nothing to redeem him. Nothing that would make people go, ah. I mean, he was revolting. He was disgusting. And people thought that he must have done something to deserve what happened to him. So not only being in such emotional pain that he was, could scream, not only being in such mental anguish, I don't know how he didn't have a complete breakdown, not only that, but he was ugly. There were actual worms in the sores that were in his body. And then 
the one place he should have expected help from, his wife withdrew and said, just curse God and die. I don't have anything to give you. I would say that marriage was over. So we're not talking about a story of blessing and life and love and health and happiness. We're talking about utter devastation. Wednesday night, pastor got up and said, you have to change your mind. Then he showed this little image of a cylinder. Do you remember it? It was a cylinder, and he showed that cylinder from two angles. If you shoot the light this way, it becomes a rectangle. That was a wonder to me. I wanted him to talk about that for a while, how a cylinder could look like a rectangle just by the way you shot the light. And then he said, if you shoot it on the front of it, it's going to look like a circle. Well, it's not a circle or a rectangle. It's a cylinder. But if you shoot the light and you're looking from that direction, and underneath that rectangle, he wrote, true. And then underneath that circle, he wrote, true. But underneath the cylinder, he wrote, truth. When you get in a marriage, you become a mother or a father, or a sister or a brother. You are going to bring what you see to the table. And what you see will be true to you. But just like the men that grabbed hold of an elephant and tried to describe an animal by what they alone could touch. So if we look at each other only through what we see, we will be unkind and cruel, unforgiving, bitter, hateful people. But if you look instead of what I see about what you did, if I look at the truth instead of what's true, Job said, where are you? You took my kids, you took my wealth, you took my reputation, you have taken my wife, and you're about to take my life. I can't see anything but dark. And then God spoke. And then God began to talk to Job, and this is what he said. 42 and 5. Please put that up there, and then I'm going to go. Thank you to my mother in love, my beautiful firstborn, my passionate, powerful Sheena, tender-hearted, silent, strong as iron, Caitlin, and the loving husband, father, and grandfather, who stood staff and rod to hold a family of women up in righteousness and love, courtesy and kindness. Job said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now I see you. I don't see my 10 dead kids anymore. I don't see my lost camels. I don't see the sheep and the cows, the broken house, the broken marriage, and the broken body. I see you. Mercy. I forgive my wife for the things she said to me. My friends, in fact, the Lord said, you go pray for them. But you to hear how they talk to me? I'm going to tell you. If you're going to make it in this hour, 
Forgiveness has to flow like a river because everybody's going to have their view. It's too late for you to be bitter and angry and hurt at what people did and have done. We need to get our eye off the rectangle and the circle. Focus on the cross. We're mercy. Hallelujah. Would you just lift your hands right now? We love you, Lord. I want to dedicate this song to all the people who know it and to those who don't.